Fired up, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, that was possibly the ugliest game of Kyle Shanahan's tenure as 49ers coach. Dolphins 43, 49ers 17. Now, that is a Dolphins team that isn't very good, by the way. 43-17 over the 49ers. And it was a game in which the 49ers were excited because they were starting to return some of their offensive talent. They had Debo Samuel obviously back, but Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be under center. He was under center for a half of the game, but it really didn't look that his ankle was right, and the offensive line certainly was not right for the 49ers. The struggles there continued. They combined uh, with Garoppolo's issues with his ankle to create just a horrendous offensive performance in the first half. And then the 49ers' defensive performance was the worst pass defense outing that they've had in the Kyle Shanahan era, thanks in large part, maybe thanks mostly to the, uh, in part to the fact that they had a practice squad cornerback, Brian Allen, that the Dolphins just mercilessly picked on. But the 49ers gave up over 11 net yards per attempt, and we haven't seen that kind of efficiency against them since 2016. So it was brutal, Matt, and the question now is where do the 49ers go from here? Well, that was one of the interesting things to me is that they did have their offensive weaponry back on the field, but it became clear after this game that just having those bodies there wasn't enough, that these guys haven't played together for so long Debo Samuel basically has only practiced, what, uh, four times since the, the Super Bowl? George Kittle made that point a couple of times. Point being that it takes time to gel and for Debo Samuel to get into shape. Shanahan was pointing to somebody, one of, one of his pass catchers said that just not in, in playing shape yet, and I can only assume that he was talking about Debo Samuel, who was targeted eight times, caught two passes, you know, was dealing with an illness last week and just might not be in playing shape yet. Bottom line, having the guys out there is one thing. Having them all sort of on the same page, having the chemistry, having the conditioning, all of that requires an offseason. And and, uh, some of these guys just didn't have that. And so all of these injuries that have been keeping guys off the field, that's one thing. It's getting them on the field together for an extended period that's becoming apparent now as an issue. And I think a, a lot of people's hopes, a lot of fans' hopes were resting on the fact that maybe this offense, once it gets together, can kind of carry this team. And uh, today was just a, a real reminder, a wake-up call, that that might not happen. And it might not happen for a little while. I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to even start this next game. It might be a C.J. Beathard start. So this was a, uh, a splash of cold water across the face Dennis, what were your takeaways from this game? I mean, what uh, what jumped out to you as the shortcomings in this game? I had to remind myself that the head coach wasn't Chip Kelly because it felt like there was a time warp. And this team was off on every part of this game, special teams, defense, and offense. And I don't understand this timing and the getting the synergy back. These guys played together all year, last season, and, and they ended up in the Super Bowl. The offense has no identity. You know, Raheem Mostert comes back. He, he helps to run game. This offensive line, they should be upset with themselves. They should be embarrassed. Two weeks in a row, they just get dominated. Trent Williams is, I don't know what happened to him. He started off the season great. 
I look at him now. He was getting bull rushed. He's getting beat to the outside. He got stood up on that fourth and one. And on the defense, we know what this team was built on. This team was built on that pass rush and that perimeter pressure, constant perimeter pressure, making quarterbacks step up, make mistakes, throw interceptions, throw bad balls. And we don't have constant pressure on the outside pass rush and you have no coverage on the perimeter. You get what you got today and you got a 16-year pro in Ryan Fitzpatrick who just had a field day with poor Allen. I mean, he may not be in the league anymore, what he showed today. So this team, for the second week in a row, they just got jumped on. They got jumped on early. And, uh, you know, 43 points is a lot of points against this 49er team. Divisional champs, Super Bowl contenders. It's just, it was tough to watch today. Well, Brian Allen single-handedly gave up 144 yards of offense to Miami in four possessions. I'm counting five catches and two penalties, including a pass interference and a personal foul for a horse collar tackle. So in those four possessions, the 49ers just got so far behind. I mean, by the time they yanked him, they're down 21-7, which may not seem like too much, but if you watch the game today, the state of that offensive line, and, and this is probably the most maddening part of all of this for the 49ers, you get it in the secondary, right? You're down Richard Sherman. You're down Emmanuel Mosley. You're down Dante Johnson. Akella Witherspoon was only to be used in an emergency, and the emergency obviously happened today. And you're down K. Kwan Williams. So you're down all those guys, so okay, you bleed yardage. That makes sense, but you would at least hope that the same offensive line plus Trent Williams from last season's NFC Championship game plus a, you know, I think a solid arsenal of wide receivers and tight ends would be able to at least keep up with a team like Miami and wouldn't be totally out of the game when it's 21 to 7. But they were totally out of the game when it was 21 to 7. They could not protect Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo could not fend for himself on top of that because, I mean, he even admitted it in the post-game interviews that he was not able to get the same drive that he normally gets on some of those footballs, which is why, you know, it had to be part of those two ugly interceptions at the end of the first half. And the offense was as disjointed as it has been all season long against the number 31-ranked defense in the NFL entering this game. Miami hadn't really been stopping anybody until the 49ers just couldn't do anything against them today. So it's just brutal in all phases. And now you have the top four pass offenses as far as efficiency goes, playing the 49ers at some point in the next six weeks, starting with the Rams next week. So if you're looking forward, if you're zooming out, if you're making this a big picture thing, first and foremost on the defensive end, the 49ers absolutely need either Richard Sherman or Emmanuel Mosley, preferably both of those guys back. Otherwise, it's going to be more of the same. They just don't know who's going to play cornerback opposite Jason Verrett. Yeah, I'd like to know what what happened during the week at, at cornerback because Brian Allen is on the practice squad. He was elevated for this game on Saturday, but there ostensibly were a couple of guys ahead of him. So what happened to Ken Webster? Ken Webster's on the active roster. How did he get leapfrogged by this guy during the week? Akella Witherspoon seemed okay to me during this game, and yet he told everybody that he was too tight to play, too tight to start the game. I can't imagine that went over well with the coaching staff when that pronouncement came down. So it's obviously they were caught unaware in starting this guy, Brian Allen, who never started a game in the NFL before. He had uh, played in 16 games in 2017 and 2018, and on that very first play, <laughs> did not take... It did not take Ryan Fitzpatrick long to attack him. It was the first snap of the game. And I actually thought that 
Brian Allen played it well up until the very end, and then he leapt too early for the ball, descended way too early, and then the ball landed in the in the receiver's hands uh, for a big game. But uh, something must have been happening in the background this week that we don't fully know about uh, in order to end up with this guy as as the starter. And I think Dennis is right. It was like a journey back to 2016. The defense couldn't stop anybody. The offense was sporadic and had no identity. It's a bad place to be in. And we're coming. this is two weeks in a row now. It was a disjointed loss to the Eagles in week four. And we sort of sloughed that off as, oh, well, you know, they're coming back from a two-week road trip. They're playing a really talented Eagles defensive front. Miami, not talented. Miami was the team that's going across country this time. The 49ers had been at home for two weeks, so this shouldn't have happened. The 49ers should have been angry this week. They should have been disappointed in themselves from the Eagles game, and they weren't. And it was sloppy, and uh, it's hard to figure out. You you start to look, oh, maybe this is the Super Bowl runner-up curse that's hitting them, but uh, they got to get it figured out fast because, as David points out, it's a wicked stretch coming up, starting with their division rival on Sunday. It's a wicked schedule for the next seven weeks, I think. I mean, you know, <laughs> I think the only teams that the 49ers have actually beat are teams that have not won a football game. And now you get into the point where these are teams that are winning football games. And you got some divisional games in there, too. So you got to get it figured out. You know, my thing is, it's about the players. And, you know, I think the 49ers knew, you know, even in the offseason that they had some issues in cornerback. They had some issues in their secondary. And they really didn't address it in the offseason as far as drafts or free agents go. And I think they were really relying on that pass rush again to kind of get enough pressure on quarterbacks. And when you lose two of the premier pass rushers and and then you lose another one to force Buckner in a, in a trade, you know, you don't have that anymore. And then guess what? Your, your, your secondary is kind of exposed. So players make plays. And with the players that they have on the field, especially today in today's game, these next seven games, I mean, it could get really, really bad. And you saw in 14, 14 plays, you know, maybe, was it three series? It was 14 nothing, and they were already in a hole. So, I mean, it could get really ugly if they can't figure out what happens in the secondary or if they can't figure out if they can bring someone in. You know, they've tried going off the streets or practice squad. you got to get someone in there that can, that can cover some receivers, you know, down the field a little bit or rush the passer. I mean, you, you got to figure it out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it comes down to players. What I would say about the secondary is that they're just flat out of NFL-capable players. And, I mean, the injuries have hit so hard on defense. We know about Nick Bosa. We know about D. Ford. We know about the loss of DeForest Buckner. So, obviously, that supercharged pass rush is not there. But as we learned in the divisional playoffs last season, even with a supercharged pass rush, your defense is only going to be as good as your worst cornerback, right? right. Akella Witherspoon got benched in that game against the Vikings. After that, 49ers had both D. Ford and Nick Bosa. That's when they started to dominate. After that, weakness was disguised. But they have no way to disguise the weakness at cornerback number two right now because Emmanuel Mosley wasn't available. Dante Johnson, who was you know almost thought of as a last resort kind of guy going into the season, he hurt his groin last week. They would have been much rather putting Dante Johnson in there than either Ken Webster or Akella Witherspoon Spoon or Brian Allen today. And I think, you know, to Matt's point about potential funny business, what was going on in the secondary room, my answer to that is Ken Webster just is 
isn't any good. Ken Webster, they picked up off of Miami's practice squad, and Miami has one of the worst pass defense in football. Didn't look like it today because the 49ers weren't able to exploit it, but Miami's pass defense can't do anything. This guy's on their practice squad. Miami would have called him up from their practice squad if Ken Webster was good. The 49ers signed him to be depth, but they just didn't want to play him because they thought that it would be worse than playing Brian Allen. That gives you an idea of how bare the cupboard in the secondary is. They thought this guy would be worse than Brian Allen, and Brian Allen put on one of the worst performances we've seen in quite some time, maybe ever, for a 49ers cornerback today. So there just isn't firepower there, and that's why they so badly need somebody there to kind of stop that bleeding. You know, Sherman or Mosley, you don't expect this defense to be great anytime soon, but you want them to be good enough so that the offense can get to work and do its thing. But Matt, on that side of the ball, we have to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, we're not even sure if he's going to play next week at this point because Shanahan was not shy and Garoppolo was not shy about talking about the fact that his ankle bothered him today. And if this guy's not 100%, and if this offensive line is blocking like one of the worst offensive lines in football, it doesn't really matter if he's talented. He's not going to be able to deliver to the point to overcome the defense. So, I mean, so much is broken around the roster right now. And I think on the offensive side, it has to start with better blocking and it has to obviously continue with better health for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, and, and if I had to make a guess right now, six days out from this this Rams game, I'd say no because Jimmy Garoppolo could not press off of that back foot, that injured right ankle that was injured in, in the Jets game. And, and you saw that, especially on that that second interception right before the half. That ball just floated on him. It wasn't anywhere near Debo Samuel, and it was an easy interception. The other interception was, was easy as well. I thought that was a bad judgment throw, but he might have wanted to get more onto that throw as well. That thing sailed and went right into the hands of the free safety, who was able to very easily uh, drift over from the, the center of the field and, and make that. So if you can't make those throws against the Dolphins, I don't see how they think that they can make them against a Rams team that has a much better pass rush, much better defense overall, a really good cornerback in Ramsey. So you know, this was just a, a bad judgment by the 49ers. I don't know what they were looking at in practice, but they obviously weren't putting Jimmy Garoppolo through the paces of what he would face in a, in a normal game, because once he faced that, it didn't work. He failed at it. No one admitted that outright, but very rarely do you get a quarterback to admit that, yeah, I tried to drive that ball and I just couldn't do it. That's as close as you're go- going to get to the the quarterback saying, yeah, my, my ankle was bothering me. My ankle was the reason for some of those really poor throws. It looks to me like it's a C.J. Beathard game against the Rams, which means that you know, Daniel Brunskill is going to be going up against Aaron Donald. I didn't think that C.J. Beathard, I mean, C.J. Beathard looked like C.J. Beathard. Somebody who, when there's pressure, and, you know, albeit there was a lot of pressure, and no quarterback's going to thrive in that environment, but he he doesn't process quickly. He doesn't get rid of the ball quickly. He just turns into a statue there and uh, gets sacked. So very, very hard to, to see the 49ers, like I said, thriving with all the issues that they've got going into this game against the Rams. And how about the fact that, you know, Kyle Shanahan didn't even have the confidence in that offensive line. You know, he probably saw a threat that, you know, after Ross Dwelly let that outside backer or, or, or in just kind of, it looked like Wilbur Marshall hitting Joe Montana, just almost collapse him, a spinal tap. 
and to get them out the game. I mean, what does that say to your offensive line? What does it say to your team when you say, I don't even trust you guys, you know, with my franchise quarterback, so I got to pull them out the game and put someone out, someone else out there and, and throw him to the dogs. You know, moving forward for next week, I mean, Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard, I, I mean, they're the same quarterback to me, just, you know, different shortcomings. But like you said, I don't know what happened in practice. You know, maybe you just want to get Jimmy out there before going against the Rams, get him some reps, uh, see if he can get in some type of rhythm, get the offensive in some type of rhythm. But those two interceptions, so he didn't look good. I mean, all the way around, the team just looked bad. Special teams, fake punt. Again, for the second week, they get smacked in the mouth. I think the case of Garoppolo was game adrenaline, live bullets. They're just different. They're hard to simulate in practice. I believe the 49ers and I believe Garoppolo when they say that he felt great during the week, but you just never know. And this really applies to all sports. You never know how you're going to feel, especially coming off an injury until you're in the midst of that live action situation when that adrenaline is flowing in a different way a lot of times the adrenaline can mask some pain but sometimes because the you know the exertion is greater in a live bullets kind of situation that pain returns and that's exactly what Kyle Shanahan said you know this was Jimmy Garoppolo's first high ankle sprain in his life he had had regular ankle sprains before but Shanahan said that high ankle sprain could be especially tricky because you come out there and, and you think that it hasn't bothered you for a few days, but then all of a sudden it does. And when we asked Jimmy Garoppolo when exactly it started barking at him uh, during Sunday's game, he was really noncommittal, not specific with his answer. And I took it to mean that it was bothering him the whole way because he didn't look like himself the whole way. And of course, it never helps when you're facing a 14 nothing deficit, you know, really just from the get-go because uh, that defense and Brian Allen was getting burned so badly. And you have to play the game uphill. We've talked about this throughout the past couple of weeks. The 49ers offensively are built to play downhill because that's the way that they're offensive line is built to block they're not built to anchor they're built to run block to go on you know play action and when you're down 14 nothing a lot of that loses credibility so all of a sudden you're charging Garoppolo with being Mr. 35 throws a game which is something that he has shown that he can do when he's healthy but definitely not when he's not 100 percent and I think it really caught the 49ers by surprise then they see oh boy he's in third and 10 all the time now he's throwing these picks because he can't drive on his throws that's why Shanahan made the move at halftime to yank him and it makes me wonder now who really is 49ers QB2 for a starting situation this is really interesting to me I think that CJ Beathard is definitely Kyle Shanahan's QB2 behind Jimmy Garoppolo but I'm not so sure that CJ Beathard is Kyle Shanahan's QB1 if Jimmy Garoppolo is unavailable if that makes sense do you think there's a chance that Nick Mullins starts next week I do think that there's a chance that Nick Mullins starts next week I mean if I had to pick I'd say that Shanahan doesn't want to go back to Mullins. That would just uh, denote all sorts of indecision and, and weakness on his part. But to my earlier point, C.J. Beathard doesn't do well with pressure. He's got the better arm than Mullins. He can deliver the ball downfield. He can take the ball to the sidelines, but he's not a quick processor. I think the 49ers were hoping that, okay, maybe some at some point over the last one and a half seasons, the last time we saw C.J. Beathard, this has kind of sped up for him. But today, I, I saw the same C.J. Beathard, and, and it's hard to criticize him because guys weren't open, and there was no pass protection. But there was also no ad-libbing on C.J. Beathard's part. 
There was no extending the play. He was just sort of frozen there when things broke down. Nick Mullins is better than him at sort of going through that mental process faster, getting rid of the ball quicker. He just can't move it around to all points of the field as well as, as Beathard does. If we could somehow combine those two guys, some sort of uh, Frankenstein experiment, we would have something. But as Dennis said, they both uh, leave you wanting, um, but in different ways. So it's a bit of a, a pick-your-poison scenario there. But like I said, I, I have a hard time thinking that Jimmy Garoppolo, given what his ankle did to him in this game, is going to start against the Rams. Yeah, I just think of, of Aaron Donald just going up the middle and just slamming Jimmy Garoppolo and just thinking about that. But we talk about this offense. What happened to George Kittle? He, he caught some passes today. He he dropped a few. But in this offense, and when I think about the backup quarterback, I think of Nick Mullins because him and George Kittle have, have a great synergy. He tends to kind of target him more. When you got a guy like George Kittle, just get him the ball. I mean, no one's ever complained about trying and throw the ball to the tight end, George Kittle, when you get in a bind. I just think he's kind of fallen out the offense a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting. And I, I don't know if that's due to some kind of lack of rapport uh, between Garoppolo and, and Kittle or I think that the offensive line and the cohesion of the whole unit is what makes it all tick. I mean, today we didn't see, for example, another staple, the 49ers end around game, right? We didn't see Samuel and Ayuk going around the perimeter. I know the 49ers want to run that and they want to run that frequently. We didn't see, you know, the quick slant game. I think we saw a big one to Ayuk early on third down, but not much more in terms of slants down the middle of the field, the way that Garoppolo likes that. We saw one awfully pathetic attempt to Jarek McKinnon on the play action out of the backfield deep that floated up and it was an interception by the safety coming over the top. You know, bits and pieces of what I just said are central components of Kyle Shanahan's offensive vision, but none of them were executed with the regularity or with the precision that the 49ers need to execute them to have a 30 plus points per game offense, which is what they're obviously going to need this season. So I think George Kittle is part of that whole equation. When everything falls into place, George Kittle's going to be Roman across the middle. We saw him have actually great rapport with Garoppolo at key points last year, if you remember. Week uh, 13 or 14 against the Saints. Obviously, he had the huge play there. But even against the Seahawks in Week 17 when Garoppolo was awesome in the second half, even in the first half, it was Kittle, Kittle, Kittle over the middle. So I think that chemistry between Garoppolo and Kittle is there, but it cannot be unearthed unless the offense is fully clicking. It's fully contingent on that offensive line cohesively blocking, which they're not doing in the run or the pass game right now. I mean, same deal this game. We had a big explosive Raheem Mostert run, but nothing else really. So they're not staying ahead of the sticks, and that's, you know, causing the 49ers to, to really conceal and against their will hide a weapon as valuable as George Kittle. So I think that's just going to come when, when the rest of it comes. The whole puzzle has to fall into place. Yeah, I, I thought of all the, the offensive weapons that were assembling for this game. And that was the that was the thing that we were all anticipating is that, okay, this is the first game that Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Raheem Mostert are all on the field at the same time. I thought the one guy that delivered was was Mostert. You know, he got that 37-yard run down the left side that set up the uh, the first touchdown, the little sneaky handoff to Kyle Juszczyk. I think he finished with, with 90 rushing yards, and a lot of it was, you know, yards after the hit type of runs, a, a, very similar to what Jarek McKinnon did against the Eagles in Week 4. 
where the running back was getting the bulk of those yards. So I think credit has to go to Raheem Mostert for just a lot of hard running in this game. And that seemed to be a lot of what George Kittle was saying afterwards, is that, no, our running game isn't clicking like we wanted to. That's where this this team needs to kind of find itself, needs to sort of coalesce around that running game, and everything will build from there. They're capable of it. He loves to run block. They've got two good tackles in Mike McGlinchey and Trent Williams, but for some reason, it's just not clicking. And here we are going into week six. All of the uh, no offseason abbreviated training camp uh, excuses are starting to fall by the wayside. This team has to do it. And that was Kittle's point. And he made this point a couple of times. It's that this team has seven team captains. Four of them are on offense. And those four are Kittle, Garoppolo, and the two tackles. And it's up to those guys to shoulder the load, to carry this team and uh, so far, they haven't been doing that. Dennis, what, what do you think about that? And, and what do you think from a, a leadership point needs to happen? What would you like to see some of these, these team captains do in this coming week? I want to see someone get, get mad. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I want to see someone just go off. And I think if Richard Sherman, if he was active, he was, if he was part of some of these losses, I mean, he would be a guy that that, that would just go off. You know, you, you hear the press conferences and, and everyone's like, yeah, uh, that's unacceptable. You know, we got to watch the tape. We got to get better. I just want someone to be mad. And I don't know if the, if those personalities, those four guys you just named, I don't know if any of those personalities are like that, that just kind of, you know, go off and just kind of check somebody, you know, check the offense, check the defense and just be like, this is, you know, this is unacceptable and just be mad about it. And, you know, now it's, you know, you're going to the teeth now. This is, this is the toughest part. These were, you know, five games that you you probably should have won. Four games, for sure, you should have won for sure. So, I mean, I think I just need someone to get mad and feel like someone's mad and upset about, you know, you are the NFC West champions and you, I mean, you look like, like we talked about it, you, you're taking a step back every week now. So, you know, I, I think I just need a, someone, a vocal leader. I, we had so many vocal leaders when I was on the team, a Michael Carter, Charles Haley, a Ronnie Lott, guys that just got into your face and kind of kind of checked you and challenged you to get better. But I'm a different type of person. I mean, I don't, I, I love a criticism. I love, you know, if someone's going to get in my face and let me know that the job's just not getting done. That's what I just kind of want to see. When you look at this especially today. I mean, who does it fall on? Is it the offense? Is it the defense? Is it coaching? I think it's all the way around, but I'm just curious. What do you blame something like this, a Dolphins team that comes in here and puts 43 points on the board? I mean, what causes a loss like this in your home stadium? We'll be back right after this. Well, I mean, I hate to blame it on the guy who was on the practice squad who was excited to get his opportunity, but if you want a short answer, I think on defense it comes down to Brian Allen. If you have a weakness that pronounced defensively where the Dolphins can throw with impunity at one spot of the field, we already know the pass rush isn't what it used to be, but if they're gaining 144 yards against one player in four drives, it's going to get ugly in the NFL. You know, the 49ers can say all the right things and say, oh, team loss, all this, all that, but at the end of the day, this is a matchup league the 49ers had a horrible matchup at that one cornerback spot and you have to tip your cap to the Dolphins who went out and exploited it now of course that created a domino effect so it's not just his fault but you look at chain reactions and this was just a game that the 49ers absolutely could not afford to play from behind given the state of the offense that we've talked about so that would be my short answer I think that if you had Richard Sherman for this game if even if you had Emmanuel Mosley healthy for this game it's probably not as bad I think you probably give up 
up 30 on the defensive end instead of 43, something like that. But you don't fall behind the way that you fell behind, and maybe the offense has a fighting chance to keep the game even at the start. I think that stuff in the NFL can snowball if you have a massive deficiency. That's that's what I'm saying, and I think that happened to the 49ers today. And just going to the whole leadership aspect of this and what the 49ers need to do moving forward, I think it's interesting. Today was Steve Young's birthday. Dennis, you were on the team in 1994. It's a loss that a lot of people still can't explain fully. 40-8 to to the Eagles. People say that the 94 49ers were the most talented team of all time. That Eagles team wasn't great in 94, and they just came to Candlestick, and they just wiped the floor with you guys. And the reason I bring it up is because Steve Young was yanked out of that game. He wasn't hurt, but George Seifert said, oh, I want to protect him because he's going to get hurt out there, kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo today. That was the same reason that Kyle Shanahan gave. But what was significant to me about that, and I'm not trying to say that Jimmy Garoppolo, Steve Young, or this 49ers team is going to win 13 straight, but the leadership that came out of that is significant to me. Steve Young went on that rant on the sideline, and that was the moment that a lot of you guys, I think I even talked to you about this, Dennis. Brent Jones says it for sure. Jerry Rice says it for sure. Jesse Sapolo says it. They said that the moment that Steve Young started yelling at the coach on the sideline and took accountability, really. He, he wanted to head back in the game. He wanted to take the beating, even though he wasn't allowed to take that beating. That was the moment that the team got fired up and followed him. And I think the 49ers, they don't need Jimmy Garoppolo yelling at Kyle Shanahan right now, but they do need to respond with just a fiery commitment to what they do best moving forward. That's the lesson you can learn from that. You get skunked at home, you respond with a fiery commitment to the run game, get back to the basics, and get back on top of what you do best. And then that's the only way that I see the 49ers turning this around. Yeah, and you're exactly right. And that's, you know, you need someone who's going to stand up and, and put everybody on notice and, you know, get on my back. And I remember Steve, you know, Steve was like, get on my back. You know, he showed it in practice and we got on his back and we fought and he carried us all the way to the Super Bowl. So that's what I need. You know, I, I need someone to get pissed off at everyone, have a team meeting, these leaders get in and say, listen, this is not us. We need to find our identity. You know, all these other things, injuries, all that stuff's going to happen. You know, put it on my back, put it on everyone's back and make a commitment. And that's all you can really do. Again, this is a team that, you know, was in the Super Bowl. I know there's a lot of injuries, but still, there's some talent on this field. You just got to kind of bring it to the surface somehow. Yeah, I thought if, if anybody came out looking good from this game, it was Joe Staley. <laughs> uh, he was very vocal on uh, social media during this game. Uh, couldn't believe what he was watching on TV. And, uh, you know, to, to George Kittle's point, you got two team captains on the offensive line. The offensive line hasn't really had any injuries besides Weston Richburg, which which we knew about from the get-go because he, he suffered it in December. Why has this unit been so bad, and why isn't anybody sort of doing what you guys are describing, just getting really ticked off and having a, having a meeting, having a, a come-to-Jesus moment about it because uh, a lot of the, uh, the issues, especially on offense, obviously, originating with this line and it's got talent and it's just not it's just not delivering especially in these last two games so I think that's got to be the the spot where if this 49ers team is going to have any sort of resurgence and I'm beginning to doubt whether it's going to happen but if it were to come I think it would have to come through this offensive line yeah it's gonna have to come to the same blueprint that we've talked about for the 
past few weeks. I mean, it didn't necessarily have to be a resurgence. We were talking about it in terms of, oh boy, they've suffered all these injuries. How are they going to reach their goals? Well, they're going to have to ride on the back of the offense, which starts with that running game with good run blocking, and that turns into good pass blocking, and then they score over 30 points a game, and then they mask the losses of Nick Bosa and D4. That was the formula. The problem is they're nowhere near where they need to be to do that offensively and defensively because of the injuries at secondary in the secondary got even worse today. So this formula is the same. It's just that the 49ers are walking backwards away from the formula instead of toward it right now. Today was five steps back in the wrong direction. So they got to get healthy and they just have to go and fight one week at a time. Starts with the Rams next week. So we'll keep on covering this team. It's definitely a dangerous territory for the 49ers right now. Anyway, for Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you in the middle of Rams week on Thursday.